Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the APW Property Podcast. Today, we have myself, Callum Williamson, joined by Stuart. Stuart, how are you? I'm very good. Very good indeed. I mean, these are going to be collector's items, these pods, because in the future, when we have millions of downloads, people will be trading these as the first ones that had only 72 downloads. They will be trade. They will be very, very, very expensive. Excellent. Yeah. Well, there we go. Good investment. Uh, and alongside the two of us, we have Peter Davis. Peter, how are you? I'm very good. I'm just questioning why I'm number sixteen. I would have thought I, I should have been in the top five. Oops. Yeah. We well, look. We just wanted to build up our um, listener base. You know, we didn't want to put them off by having them listen to you talking about you. Uh, you, wanted to, you wanted to practice the, the podcast format, get it perfect in time for mine. Spot on. That's exactly it. So um, I mean, it wasn't actually, was it? To be fair, it was about we went on a base, basis of size. So we could only have so much bandwidth to start off with. So we had short people doing it, which is me, and then it introduced Callum. And now we've got tall people coming in because we've got more bandwidth that we can use which is apparently how bandwidth works you can only have certain size people talking i see on it okay so i must be the last one that you're ever going to do then because there's no there's no bigger bandwidth than me no no we're getting that guy on from uh, from iran who's eight foot one who plays <laughs> in this plays in a sitting down um yeah uh volleyball team at the olympics he was huge i mean was, what a legend eight foot was. one he was huge, yeah. He won it single-handedly. Or... Oh, single-handedly. Very good. He's disabled Olympics as well. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, then. Well, look, what are we talking about today? Obviously, aside from the um, Paralympic Games and the height of Pete and these podcasts being collectibles in the future, mm. is property and what we've been doing recently, right, as you know, all of you, um, hundreds of thousands of people across the world listening in will know, is that we've been talking to industry professionals about a specific area of the property market. Uh, Pete is not an industry expert on one specific area, but he's been working in property and living overseas for how many years, Pete? Nearly 35. 35 years. So he has experience no in, you know, mm purchasing property and what it's like to be an expat landlord and you know if he hasn't encountered a problem then chances are he's met with someone and helped someone that has so he has a wealth of knowledge to share with people and that's what we're going to be exploring today is just a bit about that and perhaps your wealth of knowledge Stuart as well you've been overseas a little while haven't you so perhaps together we can get some real pills of wisdom. Well, certainly. I mean, today's learning experience for me has been downloading the top 100 phobias uh, that are out there in the world today. And there are some absolute Bobby dazzlers. Electorophobia. Electorophobia? What's that? Phobia, uh, phobia of electing people. No, elect. Electorophobia, A L E C, electorophobia. It's the fear of chickens. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. So I have a world of things I can share with you. Wow. Okay. What Sorry, about um, octophobia? 
octo, fear of the number eight or fear of octopuses. Ah, fear of the number eight. Hey, have you... Get in! <laughs> have you by any chance got healthline.com 100 top uh, phobias up? I have got it. No, I've printed it. Oh, I'm going right. to laminate it later and then use it with the kids. So okay, we well, do tests. Megalophobia. That's the fear of large things, Peter. So hopefully we haven't got any megalophobes listening. Yeah. yeah. Or Samhainophobia. Samhainophobia? I should use that this month. Fear of Halloween. Oh, of course, Halloween, isn't it? Yeah. It is. So tell us, Pete, what has been, if you, I mean, in, in the true mo- mode of Buzz Lehman, if you could give one message to your listeners today as to what you have learned in 35 years of being involved in property offshore, what would it be? It would be to engage with a top quality management leasing agent to manage your property in the UK and pay for it. And why is that? Because if you don't, then uh, if you're if you're if you don't have a, a proper service put in place, uh, it it causes huge amounts of problems with getting tenants in and out, um, making sure the property is being looked after, well-maintained. <clears throat> uh, and if you don't do that, then it, it, it is no longer a hands-off approach, which is what expats need. I, I actually made that mistake many years ago, back in the 80s, um, when I bought a flat in London. And I, had, and I sold the flat because I didn't... Uh, pay enough for a good management leasing agent to look after it for me. And um, <clears throat> and I won't tell you what that flat would be worth now. I'll tell you. Because <laughs> I, uh, I, I Googled it. Because you, you Googled it. On you know, one be- a one-bedroom terraced house flat in Twickenham overlooking the green. Um, I bought 75000 Okay, so, I mean, I'm not very good at maths, but I think that's a... A thousand percent increase, is it? Seven hundred and ten thousand pounds it would be worth now. I don't know. I don't want to hear. Okay. I think it's a familiar message though, because I hear it from people. You know, I've got a, a lovely couple I met in um, in Singapore at a school there, and they were saying that they sold their um, house in Bristol and they had uh, regretted it ever since. And to be mm. fair, the property market does you know, it slowly toils in the night going upwards. And we may go through bad, you know, bad experiences. I mean, I was chatting to a guy yesterday and um, he said, well, what's my security? What if, what if it, it goes down in price? I said, well, in the bigger picture, if we're looking at like a 20-year approach, which we are if you're looking at a pension, then what does it matter? I mean, at the GFC, house prices dropped by 20% in two years. But are they now lower or higher than 2005? We're at all-time highs. So it will come back. It's just a case of it's got to be the long game and not the short game. You know, and very, very often do I hear people saying, oh, I wish we hadn't sold that. You know, like I'm thinking myself, the house we've got in the UK, you know, as far as that, it's just sitting there empty. But this year it's gone up by 24.5%. Mm. That's extraordinary. So it's a case of you buy a property, you hold it, you don't sell it, you remortgage it, and you buy another. And you remortgage 
or, or then you just save more money and buy another. And that is one of the lessons I think a lot of people learn. So you're quite right on the money, Peter, although yeah. I'm loath to say it. I'm sure there's some sort of like fear of saying that you're right, Peter, or like fear of... A, a, a phobia. Should we look yes, it a up? phobia of it. But you are right. A phobia of admitting that that I'm right on something. Correct, a phobia. I think, I, I think I'm suffering from anthropophobia, which is the fear of people, in your case, Pete. So yes, that's a good a good point. Yeah, well, I think there's there's a lot of, it's not just, you know, a long-term having faith and trusting it will go up. You know, there's a lot of evidence to to that backs up the 18-year property cycle, isn't there? You know, it's something that goes back to, I think I was doing a bit of research on it and it goes back to the seven, the turn of the 17th century, actually, when it became legal to actually own land as a private person and it wasn't owned by the state. And far back as then, you can trace these 18-year cycles and there were there about 17, 18, 19-year cycles. And it does hold true, you know. And I think um, even on the last cycle, it was, it was four years after the crash that prices actually gained parity and came back to where they were, you know, so you don't even need to wait 15 years after a crash, you know, it's just three, four, five years and you'll be back to where you were. So, um, but that's not really the point though, is it? The point is that, is that if you've got a place rented out, then when a crash occurs, the person doesn't move out, they stay in the property and they're still paying the mortgage off. And so the bigger picture is, is your loan gets repaid. And if inflation is at 4% as it is in the UK today, okay, it'll come back down. But if it's at 4% today, that means in 10 years, your, your, your loan would have had a third cut off it and, and the tenant would have paid the rest off. So you don't have a, the markets don't drop and uh, all the tenants go, oh, we're leaving, we're out of here, bye. You know, they all stay in and carry on paying rent. You know, they might buy their own houses, but it's unlikely. I mean, they're talking at the moment of uh, ownership of houses dropping as low as 50%. By 2030, I mean that is phenomenal compared to 80 percent as was it with uh, Margot Thatcher. Lesser moment of silence. Yeah, that's right. And also, when when you know, with with Thatcher in power in those days, when it was an ownership market, it was so it was just really easy to buy. You know, you could. I mean, 97 percent mortgages. You just write a check to the Halifax, and it's yours. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and it was the Wild West. As you know from my market wrap that I did last week, and, you'd have known this, Pete. I'm sure you listened to it. And I think, um, you're on your point there, you know, people don't just leave in rents. If, if property prices fall by 20%, rents don't fall by 20%. You know, rents will stay the same yeah. because they're very, very, wait for it, technical term, inelastic. I, um, right. I learned that in school. Um, but they're very inelastic you know, upwards and downwards. So, you know, that's why rents only rise at, say, 2 or 3% per annum, actually up to 7% this year, um, whereas prices can rise a lot more. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's not just the capital appreciation, is it? It's the income you're getting from the, the property as well. Um, but going back to your point, Pete. Oh, yeah, just on that, just quickly on that, on the income. <clears throat> I was chatting with a guy um, the other day and and uh, and we were talking about an off plan and and... And he quite rightly started to go into the, you know, the costs of running. So management, leasing agent, uh, maintenance, service fee, ground rent, etc. And 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 is and those kind of costs are, are inevitable. But they they brought the yield down. Let's say from 
you know, five and a half plus um, percent, perhaps down to just below five percent. And uh, <clears throat> and I thought he was doing a little bit of a showstopper on, you know, what why to buy um, when the yield was still above four and a half percent. I think as expats, you're going to pay a little bit more on a mortgage. You're going to pay, <clears throat> you know, should be paying a little bit more for management leasing agent. But net net returns and net yields, I think, uh, are um, you know the key key to it if the property is in the right location. So, yeah, yeah income, right. I mean, income is, is important. It is, but the point is, if you take that one percent over twenty five years, it's a humongous amount of money. So I think first stop really should try and be, you know, can we get freehold and can we get a house? And if we can get those things, then happy days. You know, for some people have got to start off somewhere. So starting with a, a, a flat, but make sure it's a good yield, as you say. Hmm. Don't, don't focus too much on on the cost cost of running it. You know, if you're if it's a first step to building a property portfolio, yeah, because there are really costs. And look, is this, was this guy, was he buying with a mortgage or cash? Mortgage. Mortgage. So actually, so um, yeah, actually, it's not a 4% yield, is it? Because it's, if it's a 100 grand property, he's putting down 30%. He's putting down 30,000 pounds and he's getting, what did you say, 5%, which is 5,000 pounds. So he's getting 5,000 pounds on his 30,000 pounds. And again, someone who's good at maths will tell me what that really is, but I think it's probably about a 16% real return on his cash down. Exactly. There was no. too, you know, too much focus on, on the cost of the property or cost of running the property and not enough focus on, you know, on the fact that, you know, in principle, if the, if the, if the property cleans its face, I love that term, <laughs> If it cleans its face and it pays for itself, or somebody else is paying at least you know seventy or seventy five percent of the of the of the property, then uh, then it ticks boxes. Yeah. So what would be the the second and third biggest lesson you've learned, then, Peter, in your thirty six years offshore? I mean, you must have learned more than one thing. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. <clears throat> um. <clears throat> <laughs> unless of course he has a wait for it wait for it uh scolionophobia which is what? fear of school slash learning and then he might not have learned that many things in his 35 years overseas yeah no i think i think one of them was uh, was property in thailand um I had the opportunity of buying of, of, of buying our rental house in Bangkok, and that was about, I guess, about twenty years ago, and um, and 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 it was very difficult for expats to own land here, and very difficult for expats to get uh, get mortgages to buy property here, and um, and it, and it, I, I think in hindsight it was a big mistake because our landlady offered a very good price to buy the house in Bangkok, and. Uh, and we didn't do it. We were actually purchasing another house down down the country, um, <clears throat> so we couldn't afford it. But we could have done a private mortgage deal, which a lot of expats do. And a private mortgage deal means you go to your landlord if they're willing to sell the property um, and and offer to convert the rental payments into loan payments, 
with an interest. And it's very common here. And if I'd have known that 20 years ago, <clears throat> I would have bought a house for about, sort of, it's a four bedroom house, probably for about in sterling, maybe 250,000 pounds. And it would be worth close to seven to 800,000 now. <laughs> so, so, so that's two big, big lessons you've learned yeah. there. Um, yeah. I could counteract it with a success story if you like. <laughs> Please, I wouldn't mind one. Um, no, but I mean, so what would the off plan? Off plan in Gloucestershire was one of the best property, best property investments I made. Uh, um, it was it was not even built. It was a housing development. It was a freehold, um, and and we bought that and 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 paid. I think seem to remember something like uh, 155,000. And and today it's worth. And, uh, and how did you? Was it five percent, ten percent, ten percent, or was it you know all twenty five percent or whatever the deposit was straight away? Did you did you break it up or? No, I had a I had another property in um, near Salisbury, and I sold that, and <clears throat> and put that as a deposit down on the on on the Gloucestershire one. It's probably worth about four hundred fifty five hundred thousand now. Um, Bought another house here in Thailand, which was which is just done nothing but appreciate probably about four hundred percent in fifteen years. And the point so, is, though, isn't it, hmm. is that most people, you know, don't have the wherewithal or the experience to buy uh, in in foreign countries because they don't have the comfort of knowing that they're going to be there long term, and also they're not going to be. So, you know, if I'm a teacher at um, you know school in Bangkok. It's highly, highly unlikely I'm going to do that. So, you know, frankly, what I do say myself is that I use the same message that we used to say when, when I moved offshore, which is don't buy anything you can't put in your suitcase. So don't go buying a house if you're not really definitely going to be there because the law can change. I mean, the law in Malaysia could well change to become more Muslim, and um, which is fine because, it's you know, it's a Muslim country and that's what the Malaysians like. But if you do do that, it could take away all the ownership rights for, for foreigners. So you have to be careful of these things and not to put too many eggs in one basket. Hence, I said to a chap this morning, he said, I'm thinking of buying in Italy or Thailand. And it was his first property and he's got no, nowhere to live apart from he's living at school. I said, well, you know, you're better off buying in the UK just for the sake of safety and getting a knowledge that it's going to go up in price and it's going to get paid off. And if it doesn't go up, go up in price, it's still going to get paid off. So it's a much saner approach to doing it that way. And number three, Pete, have you got any salutary tales that is actually quite positive? <laughs> um, such as? <laughs> okay. And that high point then. I'm on that bombshell. I mean, obviously living just in China. Just on what you were saying just then, though. I was talking to a guy, we, you know, we've got, you know, we've got a big client base in Dubai and it's a classic example. There's a young chap um, and on the face of it, you know, he sees that to buy a flat or, or a property in Dubai is a good thing because there's so much building going on. And, 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 and I, I pointed out to him that it's effectively an unregulated market for, you know, for, for building developers. And there is a massive, um, oversaturation of <clears throat> um, of properties being built, and not enough people to 
buy them or rent them. And, uh, and I compared that with the UK, which is effectively, you know, a reverse situation where, uh, you know, there's a, there's a huge demand for new housing, something like, you know, sort of 25,000 in the Midlands, for example, with only about 10 or 12,000 planned. So it's a complete reverse of, 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 of a potential overseas purchase and um, and in the end, he was, you know, he was uh, he was in in agreement with the fact that you know the UK is a, a better investment market than somewhere like Dubai. But it's very common. People in Dubai they've lost lost money hand hand over foot on property. Uh, and uh, what does that uh, come down to, though? You know, is that uh, that's just look at the fundamentals and do your research? Is it? You know, I mean, if you looked at the fundamentals of Dubai next to the UK. Uh, then you would see differences in demand and differences. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a cultural thing, you know. They fall in, they fall in love with the, with the, with the quality of life or the lifestyle of somewhere like Dubai, and say, "Well, we know, wouldn't it be fantastic to own a two-bedroom apartment overlooking the, uh, you know, Marina Sands or <clears throat> somewhere on the, you know, on the Palm? It's a, it's a sort of, it's, it's a glamorous notion, but at the end of the day, as an investment, it's not good at all." What are the lessons then there? You know, the lessons are, well, you've sold a few times when you, when you shouldn't really have sold and you could have perhaps avoided that by having a, a proper plan and professionals in place to help support you do that. Mm. You'd be in a better situation financially you did. You've also bought in a few different places. So what is the lesson there? Well, diversification. You know, you've bought off plan, you've bought a flat mm. in a terraced house, you've bought, you know, Thailand. So I think the idea there is, diversify you know don't just buy i was chatting to a guy the other day he says he went to a property coaching seminar and they said all your properties should be within an eight mile radius of, of one center and um i can sort of see why that might be a good idea but also there's no diversification at all you know and ideally diversification you want different types of asset different types of property geographical diversification different types of tenant so that you know, you're not overly reliant. So diversify, buy with a plan and a good team around you. What, what else are the distillable takeaways? I think don't do it on emotion. Do it on, you know, we said head, head or heart. And I think, you know, people get too emotional about it and uh, get too attached to properties. And at the same time, they buy because they, they like an area. And really, you've got to be completely, as some chap said to me last week, completely agnostic about your decision-making process. Um, be open-minded, but not very silly. Yeah, I spoke to a guy the other day, and I and I actually asked him. I said he he, he had a property in um, uh, up north, Darlington. Here we go, Darlington. Darling. And uh, and and I asked him. I said what. What boxes does that property tick for you? And uh, he looked at me slightly puzzled, but uh, I think he understood the question. And he goes, "Well, it gets about seven to eight percent yield. It's pretty much always rented out, um, but it's not worth much more than it was when I bought it." And, uh, and I said, "Okay, well, well, you know, what would be what would be the boxes that you'd want it to be, you know, to tick?" He said, capital appreciation, and he said, capital appreciation, 
um, be rented out the whole time and get a good yield. And uh, and then and then we went back to uh, you know another location in the UK regeneration zone where he could buy. Uh, by ticking all three of those boxes as opposed to one. So a lot of people they go into property and they'll do emotional purchases, but they, they won't tick all of those three boxes. They might tick one with a property and then capital appreciation, good yield up north, capital appreciation further down south. Um, but I think the unemotional purchase is about getting all three as opposed okay. to just one or two. Thank you very much. I think... Um... I think, guys, we could leave it there. We've um, on that pearl of wisdom. Yeah, I mean, look, there's we, we could talk for ages, you know, and and look at different situations and assess various things. But I think, you know, anyone that's listening to this podcast is going to perhaps be able to take away, um, you know, some learn from your experience without having to go through those experiences themselves, you know, and if that helps just one person, then it's useful. Um, so I think it's a good thing to do is just have these general discussions. Um, has anyone else before we, we wrap it up, has anyone got anything else they'd like to add to that? Any final pointers or are we, we all okay? Pete, I did have a question I wanted to ask you. Do you read books are you, or you have, do you have fear of books? You do read books. A lot. Well, okay. What, Good, give us a couple of good recent book suggestions because I'm looking for a few good ones. Well, I'm reading one at the moment about a Sudanese basketball player who got into a college in the Sudan and then got a scholarship to go to America. True story. And it's a true story. Yeah. And his name was Samuel Suleiman. <gasps> and, and he became uh, an absolute legend in college basketball and I think he went on to play <clears throat> um, in the in the in the professional league but I haven't got that far yet um, no, he gets killed in a car crash in the next episode next chapter no no, no he does yeah <laughs> arms and legs everywhere yeah. um, okay well thank you very much for by John Grisham very good okay and what other things we've got guys just to wrap it up if you want to find out more about mortgages, about management companies, about setting up companies, go and listen to our older podcasts or go and look at our shorter YouTube videos. Every Friday, the market summary, market wrap from Stuart. Every Wednesday, a short chat with myself and someone such as Peter. Uh, things we've got coming up, guys. Whew. We've got webinars and tours of properties coming up with UK-based developers, so keep an eye out for those. We're also speaking next week with Joe Billingham of Prosperity Property on his experience with property. Uh, much like Pete, he's been involved in property for a long time. So that'll be another interesting one. If you don't already, please subscribe to us. Please go to our YouTube, subscribe and hit the like button because I've watched a lot of other YouTube videos and they all say that helps. So please go and do that. Anyone, anything else? Um, I think if you become an accidental, accidental landlord, don't worry about it. Just think a bit more the next time before you buy. Good. I think that's good advice. And don't, and don't sell it. Just keep it, you know, because it'll keep make it. in the long term. Yeah, I mean, that's the way to go. Just, just carry on doing it. It's um, by far better to do that way. I mean, yeah, we all look back and make mistakes in life, but, you know, properties when you don't need to make a mistake at come and get some good advice 
Excellent. And I think we'll leave you there. So thank you very much. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me in Thailand. And on that bombshell, it's back to the studio. Good night. <laughs>